Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of Cycles Podcast. Today, we have Sean Brown, who is the head of product at Ryzen Cloud. Uh, Sean, it's, it's great to have you on the podcast today, and uh, we'd love to uh, introduce our audience to Ryzen Cloud. Uh, it's, a pro- it's another company built on top of Cycle. Um, and so, yeah, just let's, let's dive straight in. Sounds good, Jake. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, so Rising Cloud is an intelligent orchestration layer that sits above the cloud. So we provide the benefits that come through Cycle along with intelligent orchestration for serverless functions. So making it even easier for developers to get up and running on the cloud without the heavy lifting that they're used to. Thank you. And so one of the things that as I, as I've always described Rising Cloud to people, at least at least in the earlier days, I always said, "Hey, you know, it's it's kind of like AWS Lambda, but but there's a lot more to it." So I'm guessing that's something that you commonly get uh, as as people are diving into the product for the first time. It's, "Hey, you know, is this similar to this or is this similar to that?" Uh, what is the most common thing that, like, I guess, how do you respond to that? If someone says, hey, you know, you're just an AWS Lambda, uh, which I know as a fact is, is, is there's a lot more to Ryzen Cloud than that. But, but what do you, like, how do you usually respond to that? Yeah, it's actually probably our, our number one conversation point in any call we have um, is, you know, what we are, because you can't put us into a box. We do align with different existing markets, but there is no market that you can actually say Rising Cloud fits in because we are a container as a service function to orchestrate infrastructure for containers. We are a serverless function as a service model as well. We are orchestration because of the benefits we get from Cycle and our AI to control the multi-cloud layer. So there's a lot of different markets, but we don't fit into one, which is you know one of the great things about being a startup. That's what we got into this business for is there wasn't someone addressing all of those pain points and a really easy solution. So yeah, it is, it, it's, it's an interesting problem to have to, uh, have to overcome is creating a market, introducing that market to the world and educating them on, you know, here is why we're different and how we really differentiate. But yeah, in terms of Lambda function, yeah, Lambda is a serverless function. You can run your code uh, on Amazon in a somewhat easy way, uh, directly competitor to Amazon. No, because we do things really a lot differently. We let you run whatever runtimes you want without limitations, and it allows us to be significantly faster and significantly cheaper. So concept wise, yeah, it's going to run a function as a service, but there's no limits to the actual runtimes you can run because we are again running those stateless serverless containers on our platform, which makes it really easy to use and really powerful. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's one of the things that uh, makes me the most excited about Ryzen Cloud is, you know, I've, I've, I've only used Lambda briefly. I'm, I'm, I, uh, you know, so much of the stuff that I do is just very heavy backend where things need to be running all the time. That's, you know, just that's the infrastructure, right? But um, one of the, the big uh, limitations I saw of Lambda early was, was to the point that you've already made, the limited amount of runtimes, right? Like as someone who, and again, I haven't looked into Lambda in probably six or seven months at this point. But um, I, I know that like I do almost all of my code these days in Golang. And as is... As, as, I don't know today, but as far as I can remember, I couldn't run that Golang code natively in Lambda. Um, I believe mm-hmm. it was only like Node and Python. Uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's not the same anymore. But anyway, point being, uh, I love that with Ryzen Cloud, you can just uh, upload a container that is OCI compliant. Uh, you can use whatever runtime you want. And the other neat thing that I really enjoy about the Ryzen Cloud approach is just the fact that you can actually bake your own dependencies into those containers as well. Like it's not oh, just oh. the static code. You're yeah. actually able yeah. to say like, hey, I am doing video encoding or something. And I need uh-huh. this codec uh-huh. embedded uh-huh. into the container and being able to bring that with you is so powerful. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so, so it's one of the things that I, that I love about what you've built. But um, I know that there's, uh, you know, along with being able to bring your own, your own uh, containers, your own runtimes, et cetera, um, I, I, I know there's also uh, a, a major emphasis on machine learning and artificial intelligence in the, uh, the Ryzen Cloud model. I would, would mm-hmm. I'd love to dive into that too. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So that's really where our patented sweet sauce comes from is that AI model. We use an AI model that's based on both predictive and reactive analytics to identify the usage patterns of the customer's apps, whether that be the actual containers they upload or the serverless functions that are running in our containers, which allows us to orchestrate the infrastructure to only put up what's needed a little bit in advance of what's needed. So we make sure you don't have to wait for it, but only actually charge the customer for what they're using. So it's a completely dynamic model for the actual infrastructure. So even going back to Lambda, you still specify how much memory you want to use for Lambda function. There is nothing required when the customer is using our serverless functions in terms of what they need to put into memory, CPU allocation, things like that. We scale all that using our AI, monitoring what's needed, making it available in advance and never charging for more than what they've actually used. So this is this is my my developer brain getting into the weeds a little, um, but the the I know that some platforms are or some serverless approaches uh, are where there's a, where there's a long cold start delay. Um, mm-hmm. Is 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 how how is how has Ryzen Cloud addressed that? Great, yeah. That that is one of the drawbacks of really any of the serverless platforms that we sh- compete on a daily basis with. That is that cold start. And if you don't want the cold start, you got to pay more for then the hot start functions. And then what's the benefit of where you're going? You know, if, then you're spending more. Ours has the beauty of the fact that our prediction model knows in advance of when you need it, so you don't have to actually wait on something to boot up it's automatically going to be available when you need it in advance. And even if there's some, let's say, for example, our AI still takes some time to train. It's, you know, 15 minutes, it doesn't know anything. The first, you know, week, it starts to learn and become more more predictive. And over time, it becomes extremely efficient and it's always updating itself as well. But let's say in that weird scenario where you where it doesn't know anything outside of the norm of what you're going to do, it's then going to still be able to spin up that container and still queue up the job so you don't lose any workload. So that the jobs that are coming in, Get our load balancers and they're stored there until that worker can get spun up on the un- unusual situation where there wasn't actually a worker already available from the prediction model. But yeah, again, the prediction model is all about making sure that you don't have to wait for that container or that function to be available. It's always going to be there in advance because of the way that the AI works, predicting and then reacting to the actual usage and then adjusting model in real time as it goes. It's true, you know, AI. And, which which is, is is fantastic because I know that that's one of the things that uh, I mean I know there's a lot of different people using serverless for a lot of different reasons but some people that are like they have really critical like like latency latency sensitive applications that have this whole issue around this cold start that can really start to tear apart their applications yeah. in the most important time and so it's it, it, it's it's neat hearing you know rising clouds approach to solving that with ai yeah. um is there a theoretical kind of i don't maybe sorry maybe theoretical is the wrong word um but um within rising cloud uh, do you have any maximum set sorry any maximum amount of time that like uh, an application is allowed to run um yeah uh, let's see how, how rewarding that differently if i upload a container uh does that container you know when it's running and scaling and things like that do i have a maximum like hey I, this container can run for a maximum of 20 minutes or is it as long as the workload continues to persist so two parts to that um with our ai model it's going to monitor it and only make it online when it's needed so it's not going to have it 
for perpetuity. If you've got workload going to it, it's going to process that workload. When there's no more workload going to it, it's going to spin back down those workers. If a customer, though, wants to do maybe some development work, some debugging, things like that, they can also manage to actual make a worker online and not shut down, for example. So if you're doing debugging things like that in your dev environments, you'll say have one worker on minimum, and then it can stand for perpetuity. There's not a there's no limitation to how long. And the same thing is in terms of the size too. We can spin up across, because again, we're a multi-cloud layer. We spin up on multiple backend infrastructure providers. There's no limit to the number of workers that we can actually spin up to support whatever CPU and memory allocation the customer actually needs. So essentially we're like a gigantic elastic band that just grows and constricts as the actual workload comes in and then gets processed and goes back out. And this is one of the things of, of Cycle and, and Rising Cloud working together that I really appreciate, but uh, everyone watching this, oh, Maybe not everyone, but anyone who's already used Cycle that is watching this knows obviously that Cycle's multi-cloud. And it's really cool to the point that you just made that Ryzen Cloud has been able to build upon that and span across all those providers. So um, whether, well, I, I know that you that Ryzen Cloud has a, a bunch of uh, bare metal running over at, at um, Equinix Metal, but I know that you're, you, you have infrastructure into these other regions as well. And uh, with, because Cycle's ability to offer both bare metal and virtual machines, is that something that is included in the AI, the AI model as well? Absolutely. And it's one of the reasons that we use Cycle today is because of that convenience. It takes away the burden of having to run a Kubernetes-like solution that would just add on burden to our operations team. We can use Cycle then to just scale out and actually manage that infrastructure for us. And we then focus our development efforts on that AI tuning because that's what is our core, being able to scale the AI based on the workloads to make them available in the serverless functions processing and optimizing all of the actual resources that are coming into our system. So yeah, Cycle takes off a huge heavy burden burden that we would otherwise have to manage ourselves. I love hearing. I, I love hearing when people are building awesome things like that on Cycle. Like, like it's just it's it's such an, a great feeling. I mean, we spent years building Cycle, um, and and now having other companies build something as, as as complex and powerful as Rising Cloud on top of it. It's just it just shows the value of two companies coming together to really offer developers a better way of building things, right? Because I think that if we kind of if we take a step back from the technology, both of our companies are trying to solve the same issue, which is how do we allow developers and companies that want to be more efficient do more more with their time and spend less money doing it. Um, and so it's just one of those things that I, I think is, it's always kind of brought us together in terms of as we're working on features, it's it's less of, I mean, yeah, we, we always want to build cool tech, but being able to take a step back and from a from a, um, a perspective of how do we, how do we make developers' lives easier? I think it's just one of those things that it just continues to bring us together. And I, it's, it's one of the things that I, I, I love about uh, the relationship between our two companies. But um, so I guess you know, as, uh, you know, the, the, one of the I, I have a whole bunch of technical things to dive into. But the last kind of high level technical question that I would probably have is the, and this is this is probably more of a fun fact type question we can put this into. But uh, what is the largest workload that you've seen run on Ryzen Cloud so far today? Like you know, in, in terms of. Uh, in terms of potential, maybe like what's the most RAM that has been consumed in a single process? What is the, or sorry, not a single process, but in a single workload, or maybe the number of containers, or this is like, I, I just want to get kind of a, a, uh, a, um, I, I guess what, what I'm, what, what I'm trying to, to dive into is the, the, you know, just the scaling, how, how, how quickly can you go from, I have the smallest workload that, or sorry, this, this container that is processing one thing into this whole workload where now we're running how many hundreds mm -hmm. or whatever of containers? 
Yeah, I, I would say probably the, the largest year we scaled actually was around testing. So we wanted to test the virtual limits of what the elasticity did. Uh, and that was basically trying to max out every every server we'd rented and fill up everything as much as possible. The problem is you can't you can't actually test we test in terms of availability and things like that, but you can't test the limits because essentially it's just going to keep renting more and more servers and more and more usage for workloads. So there's not been anything that actually I could say has been the largest because it's a virtual unlimited amount that we can actually go. But we've had a lot of unique use cases, I think would be the better way of how to, you know, kind of come back is it, the cool thing is the use cases of what customers are doing in reducing their workloads. So we have a customer, for example, that is helping to, um, make online gaming safer for kids. So being able to uh, use AI to detect uh, bullying, hate, and uh, other things that are going on inside of gaming chats uh, using the AI, which has to be, you know, really responsive, but also reduce their, their costs because it's not somebody who's about a for-profit model. This is about somebody who's all about helping the, you know, the world as a whole, so to speak, uh, where they reduce their costs by 90% uh, and simplify their development pipeline by using us. So again, not, not significant sizes of workloads per se, but significant cost reduction in terms of the complexity of the infrastructure. Uh, we have customers that are in the construction industry scanning large blueprints. We've got uh, customers in the document management and AI processing with inside of uh, objects, uh, see, you know, what is the most common words that people submit in their support inquiries and things like that. Um, so a lot of different, really, really unique use cases, but it, at the end of the day, all of them are unique, um, but all really about changing the world in a better way. And where we come in is helping them do it and focus their efforts on their core mission by reducing the workload. So it's not about actually making more and more workloads. It's about actually making their workloads more efficient. And usually we're reducing the workloads by, you know, like 90% because of the way that we're architected and structured in the AI. So, you know, only turning on what they need, but then not needing even as much as they need because of the layer that we have a cycle and reducing the actual performance needs of the applications with the bare amount of usage. So, you know, not directly a way to answer your question, but it is, you know, basically in the neighborhood of, you know, like 90% reduction of the actual workloads of customers because of the way the AI works and the infrastructure scaling. And, and, and uh, you know, diving into those use cases is, is, is you know, something I, I, you know, that's always really interesting. Uh, there's so many unique things I, I know that... Uh, um, I, I guess I, I I don't want to start name dropping other companies that are using uh, 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 Resin Cloud, uh, but I know that you're doing some you have some healthcare applications that are using Resin Cloud for yeah. for some do, mm -hmm. for doing some really really interesting yeah. things, and where where there's also that AI component that is brought in, but you're you're able to scale again as you know, just like you're talking about yeah. as, as you need. But I guess you know my original question was uh, just from obviously from the cycle side, we can see just thousands of containers just starting and stopping all the time on Stratum yeah. and or sorry on Resin cloud um and it's just one of those like really cool things to watch of of how many just whenever you see a machine working you know kind of seamlessly <laughs> and you see those thousands of containers scaling and up and down mm -hmm. uh it is, is one of those like as, as a developer it makes you feel really cool to watch just mm -hmm. things no I, I, can, I completely agree i mean e even to that point you know talking about uh, our customers so customers Certainly visit our website, risingcloud.com. You can actually see the case studies and all the companies that I've referenced here. Uh, the one that Jake was just talking about in the healthcare industry, uh, that's Multis Medical. And they take uh, MRI files and they stack them up and then use AI that's running on Rising Cloud to render those stackings into a 3D animation. Um, they're not constantly analyzing MRIs. It's only when the MRI agencies and firms send the MRIs in. So yeah, when, when they need it though, they need it. And so that's gonna spin up that workload instantly 
process the MRIs, do whatever it needs to do. There's a, for example, there's a segmentation bot that goes out and finds the bones and colors them in so the animators can see where they are and then you know, help in the stacking process, but then instantly spin back down. So as Jake's talking about, yeah, it's this constant ebb and flow of workers that are going up all managed by the AI. And the, the cool thing with, with, with machine learning and you know, advanced uh, machine learning and AI is that you, you reduce that operational hurdle of becoming a SaaS business anymore because you don't have to have a huge operations team managing it. The AI is doing all the background, all the infrastructure scaling, all of the actual uh, resources allocations, all that's managed by AI. So there's thousands of things that are happening in the background. It's doing it right now while, while Jake and I are talking, it's doing it in the background and keeping the lights on while we're able to you know, sit here and have a great podcast. And so, so like so much, you know, the the workload approach to to Rising Cloud uh, makes so much sense. But in terms of uh, you know, as we continue this conversation about use cases, uh, do you see like a streaming workload uh, uh, someday coming into to Rising Cloud, or is that something that you already do? And what I mean by streaming is where someone says, "Hey, I have a, I have you know, I'm." Uh, I'm I'm producing a live show or something, and I need to have this you know raw video stream, uh, you know go through get encoded or I don't know I'm not a video person, but mm -hmm. just something where the application is less of hey here's a payload go mm -hmm. do something with it, yep. but more of here's a streaming payload that I still need to encode and things along the fly. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've worked with today, or is it something that you uh, you're kind of addressing in the future, or is that just something that is is kind of not one of the core use cases that you're looking at? Yeah, so in terms of streaming, we do have customers that have some use cases where they're streaming the data in. So instead of pre-building the, the image in the container with whatever workloads are needed, they can actually stream it in, which reduces some of the footprint of that container, making it a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit more nimble. Uh, in terms of the real-time streaming services, though, no, we, ha we have some customers that are prototyping on uh, compression of video, though, and compression of images and the analytics. So the codecs, for example, that you're just talking about, you know, codecs for image compression are, are not something that's used 24 hours a day, seven days a week, unless it's, you know, real-time streaming. So a lot of times there's a lot of the uh, on-demand services that can actually use to compress in advance. So when it's then being used, it's already done and you don't have to go rent off the workflows to actually do that for you. So, yeah, it, it's, there, you know, there are, there are so many different use cases that I find every week with customers that how they can use it. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's, 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 I, I describe us as, you know, we're that, we're that Lego base plate and you can do so many things with it because it is that foundation that can be turned into a limitless potential of opportunity, you know, be that, you know, AI training for medical use cases or be that training for, you know, making drones fly faster. There's a lot of different unique places that you can actually use that AI for that's running significantly cheaper, but just easier too. you know, instead of having to buy the GPU support and things like that and the CPU servers, you just rent it on demand and you only use what you actually have to use for. And as you just mentioned with, with GPUs, um, you know, we, 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 we uh, obviously, you know, there's uh, getting to the point of being able to support GPUs is something that's critical for both of our companies. And so I, I know that today Ryzen Cloud is, is to the point that you just made, uh, all, you know, it's, it's very CPU heavy, but the, mm -hmm. but the goal here is to continue for both cycle and Ryzen cloud to increase the, the capabilities of our respective platforms and by introducing GPU functionality. And once you, once, once that functionality is live, um, what are, you know, what are, what, is there any use cases that you expect that to start, uh, 
opening up more to to you know larger companies or mm-hmm. uh, is there use cases that that supports that today Resin Cloud doesn't support? Um, we're happy to, to to dive into your thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we've talked a lot about AI, but you know that is one of the places being able to do the the, the modeling faster. Um, is what's going to come from GPU. You know, we have one customer actually that has laptops that are just sitting there doing the actual processing for their AI, get rid of those laptops and just use it on demand from, from uh, rising cloud. So yeah, it's, it's really just going to make it easier and faster for customers to run the workloads that they were already doing that were CPU intensive. Now with GPU and CPU as a, as a combination, once we, uh, we, we, we bring that out. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And so um, I, I know that we had talked about uh, um, I know that we had talked about uh, you know showing a demo. And for mm-hmm. for for those of you who are are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, you just missed a really cool demo. Um, I would highly encourage you to uh, to to find uh, this episode of the podcast on YouTube. This is episode eleven. Um, uh, you can also find it from from our site cycle.io. Uh, but watching the, the the demo of of Rising Cloud is is really neat. Um, uh, Sean was able to show us how, in a matter of minutes, we were able to go from uh, a C plus plus or just a folder of, of C plus plus code into a a task that was running on top of Rising Cloud. And uh, so, just really, really, really neat. Uh, I, I I love things like this. Like it's it's I get I get super excited about it. But um, anyway, so you know, I guess continuing on. Um, so as as, as Rising Cloud continues to to grow as a company, uh, as you're uh, as you're continuing to to add new customers and stuff, um, are you currently hiring? Are there positions that you're wanting to fill right now? Um, if so, you know, where can people apply? Uh, just mm-hmm. you know, any anything. Yeah, you absolutely. Can, we're yeah. always we're always looking for uh, for. For, for anyone who's interested in changing the, the, the market, you know, bleeding edge technology, looking at ways that we can, uh, you know, create something uh, that addresses the pain points that no one else has thought of. So yeah, on our website. Um, so I keep directing people back to it, risingcloud.com. It's got everything out there, anything and everything you want, whether it be you're looking for, a, you know, joining our, uh, joining our mission or you want to learn more about how to use the product, get signed up with a trial, all that can be on risingcloud.com. And uh, I guess you know on on that same note, uh, as, as as we as we get closer to wrapping up this podcast, I guess one thing that we didn't dive into was stateless versus stateful. Um, and I'm guessing that most of the developers watching this podcast are familiar with that, but we should probably dive in for the for the chance that maybe there's a founder watching this who's wondering whether uh, Rising Cloud is a good fit for them and but that stateless versus stateful difference is they might not be clear about the differences there. So, so the way that I've always kind of referred to it is like, if you have your laptop and every time you do, you restart your laptop, it's as though you had never turned it on before it's stateless where stateful is just the normal use. Right. And yeah, there's some intricacies that go into it. So, but you know, from, from the rising cloud perspective, uh, you know, uh, Again, you're, you, as you just yeah. mentioned, your platform is built for stateless mm-hmm. workloads, mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we, we've yeah, talked I a would... lot about. Sorry, we've we've talked a lot about what uh, Resin Cloud is a good fit for, but I guess we probably should also talk about what is Resin Cloud maybe not the best fit for. Um, mm-hmm. If 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 that if if that's something to dive into. Yeah, no, great, great, great questions. Fair, fair question. So yeah, I like to describe stateless and stateful being, you know, your short-term memory and your long-term memory. If somebody asks you to calculate, you know, 
one plus one, your brain's going to kick in. It's going to keep those numbers in memory and you're going to calculate one plus one equals two and you spit back the result. That's essentially, you know, what we do. You give us input, we analyze that input, we spit back a response. We don't retain that information. Now, now granted, you, you obviously you remember that one plus one actually equals two because that is in your long-term memory. But the concept is that's really the stateful versus stateless. The things that you're going to retain long-term, you're going to keep those in your, in your databases. You're going to keep those in your blob storage, your object storage. We are just for the compute pieces, that real-time thing that needs to elastically scale up and down and uses a lot of CPU and a lot of memory in the process. Those are the things that you don't need running 24-7. Those are things that only are on for a short period, period of time to actually do what they need. That's what's a perfect fit for us. So yeah, going back to your question, what's not a perfect fit for us? Anything stateful, databases, monolithic applications, things like that, any type of long-term file storage, we're not a data storage solution. We do integrate. We have integration points and examples and showing how to integrate, for example, back with you into your security groups for Amazon. So if you want to use Amazon S3, if you want to use Amazon's RDS, integrations back into Backblaze, if you want to use alternative object storage environments. So we work with your infrastructure when you're looking at a best of breed technology for that compute piece, running the serverless functions extremely efficiently, extremely reliably, but in a very easy to use fashion for developers. And it is really interesting. Uh, I mean, everything you said obviously makes sense, but it's really interesting how our definition of stateless and, and stateful, uh, state, yeah, stateless and stateful changes depending on our product, right? Because we're 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 Ryzen Cloud is so focused on that time sensitive, like that 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 you know very short term, you know, you're just processing stuff. Where on the other hand, cycle sitting there. Most people are using Cycle for long running things where it might be long running stateless, but still that long running where, you know, you know obviously Ryzen Cloud is proof that, you know, there's, you can, you can, you can have flexibility with that, but it's just interesting that, that, that definition that we give is different. I mean, even though we're talking about the same thing, it's different based off of who we're normally talking to as we're, we're building our product. And so, uh, so just kind of really fascinating tidbit there, but. But yeah, Sean. Uh, you know, uh, thanks for uh, for for hopping on the podcast. Uh, it was it's been great to have you. And uh, for everyone who's new to this podcast, this is the eleventh episode of the podcast. We release one of these once a month. We have partners, customers, influencers from the space on the podcast, um, and we are on Spotify, YouTube. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, probably more over time. You can always find these podcasts at Cycle.io. We have a, a list to get to all of our podcast pages, and. Yeah, uh, Sean, excited for the next time we have you on the podcast when we, uh, as we launch GPUs. Sounds great. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. 